before your throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, we thank you where the spirit of the living God is. There's liberty and freedom. So we declare freedom in this place today to worship the Most High God. We give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hope is rising like a light of dawn. God is for us, He has
your name cannot be overcome. Oh, your name is alive, forever lifted high. Your name cannot be Father, we're so grateful this morning that your spirit is moving again, stirring our hearts, preparing us for that which is to come. And we're excited about it, Father. And we want to be used of you, Lord. We do not want to sit on the sidelines, but we want to be willing and yielded vessels for you, sanctified, holy vessels so we can accomplish great things for our commander and chief. We worship you today, Jesus, and we honor you in this house this morning. There is no one like you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, this day. And all God's people said, I love you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. receive this morning's tithes and offerings last week we talked about um, we support two missionaries the Mike, Mike Keys ministry to the Philippines and Jeff Rogers which is called Child Legacy to Africa they're in Malawi and Zimbabwe we support them monthly but we today are going to raise a special offering for Jeff Rogers they do all kinds of things they have a medical facility they drill wells for the people of Africa. 
they um, help learn them to sustain themselves by teaching them how to raise crops and gardens and, and fish. They have big ponds where they raise fish to help supply the needs of the people in that area. So what we're going to do, when you sow your, your tithes and offerings, they need to go to the storehouse, your local house, so we can keep the lights on and so we can support people like Jeff Rogers. But if you have an offering and you would like to give to Jeff Rogers, make, you can make it all in one check or you can make a separate check. They all go to Harvest Church. We send them the full amount that we raise and we will send it in one check to them. So if you have your envelopes and want to designate, just make sure that your ties go under general fund, but you can just put what you're giving to Jeff Rogers under missions, and we will know this week that that will go to him. And while you're doing that, I want to read to you out of Isaiah. I love the book of Isaiah. Beginning, I'm going to skip through some different verses. You can look there on your own sometime. In chapter 32, it says in verse 8, But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he will stand. And then it goes on, and um, let me read from verse 16 on. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of of righteousness will be peace, And the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Though hail comes on the forest and the city is brought low in humiliation. Blessed are you who sow beside all waters, who send out freely the feet of the ox and the donkey. And we won't go into what the ox and donkey, but basically the feet of those that are going out and spreading the good news, which is what Jeff and Corinne Rogers are doing in Africa. So just understand what you sow, you reap. And when you sow into righteousness, you sow into the work of the ministry, God is with you and he blesses you. So if you have your offerings and ties ready, um, the ushers will go, can go ahead and receive those. If you need an envelope, they're right behind and, and your pens are there. And while they're doing that, I'm going to give you a couple quick announcements. We are planning in April sometime. We don't have the date set for sure, but another men's night, a men's fellowship night. And this is what we have need of. So, guys, if you need to do some spring cleaning, we need some 2x4s, 2x6s, 2x8s, 6 inches or larger, and all we need is the scrap stuff that you want to get, get rid of. So if you want to get rid of that, just bring it out to church sometime. We need that for the men's night fellowship. Uh, Caleb in the back there, you can bring it to him or talk to him, but we just need scraps like this to sh- Not to our house, but here to the church. So 2x4s, 2x6s, 2x8s, 6 inches or larger scrap, and we will cut them the way we need them. Also, Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, Patriots United. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, our midweek service, and I think he will give some more information on that. Um, This week we're doing a few different things. Um, Also... This afternoon is our first class of the biblical citizenship class. So um, we have some food in the back. If you want to eat with us right after the service, you can. And then we will start that class promptly at noon right here at 12 o'clock. So we will be in here. And um, that will go till 4 o'clock. I'm trying to think. I think we were... If you need some of these, the ushers have some extras of these from last week and this week. And if you raise your hand, they will get those for you also. Anything else? I'm missing anything else. Okay, that's it. Thank you. One important important announcement. This coming Wednesday, um, I won't be in here. I want to meet with all those that I sat down with for altar training Wednesday night so that's important it's at 7 p.m. I told you we're going to have some classes about that so 
we're prepared in the days ahead. This church is not called Harvest Church because the preacher just thought it sounded good. There's a spiritual harvest out there, and folks, we need to be ready. Amen. So that'll be all those that were with me in the fellowship hall. If there's some not here, help me figure out how to get a hold of them, or you can get a hold of them and tell them 7 o'clock, altar training. But Kathy will be in here. She'll have the rest. Amen? Last November, as I was walking up the steps to my office, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, Gilgal. What an odd word. I knew it was a place, and uh, so I went and began to open my Bible, and uh, we've been in the book of Joshua, Deuteronomy, and, and uh, Gilgal was a specific, was the first military campsite for Israel. Say, military campsite. And so I, I knew the Spirit of God wanted to communicate some things to us because there are some spiritual parallels today. And we can relate to the, to the nation of Israel and all that they did and all that they accomplished. And I want you to understand one thing. They had an attitude. Amen? Now, as I was standing here today, this is what I got. Religion will not save this nation. Cannot save this nation. Only Jesus Christ and His militant remnant army will save this nation. I grew up Methodist. Some of you grew up Catholic. We're an interdenominational church. And I, I see God moving all through denominations. But there are some that will not make the change. And they're not going to fulfill their spiritual destiny. This church will. I say that boldly because I believe it. I haven't come this far. You haven't come this far to quit. We have, we have something that we need to accomplish for our commander. Amen? So we want to discover the significance of Israel's Gilgal experience and the prophetic parallels that the, with the church today. The themes that we've covered, strong leadership, we spent time on that, personal responsibility. Last time it was consecration and circumcision. All these things that, that Israel had to deal with when they crossed the Jordan River. To, yet last week and today, we're on a military mindset. Say military mindset. Israel had been slaves in Egypt and had developed a slave mentality. And they had to make some changes. Now after wandering in the desert for over 40 years, they'd have to become a unified military force, prepared to do battle in order to possess the land. I, I appreciate the music because it tied right in with what I'm sharing today. Say, possess the land. Not inhabit it, possess it. Last week we gave you a spiritual truth. Leadership in the church will only do young believers a disservice by not teaching them about spiritual warfare and how to resist the enemy. Leadership in the church will only do young believers. If you're going to win somebody to Christ, then you better let them know that they've entered a battle. And teach them their spiritual weaponry. Amen? And how to deal with the enemy. Gilgal was a base of military operations during the conquest of Canaan. Now last week, we, I want you to, to turn to uh, Joshua chapter 5. I want to read this text. This is where Joshua, before they went in and took Jericho, he had an experience. He had someone that he met along the way. And it says in verse 13, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, and that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now, Joshua did a smart thing. 
He fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to the servant? And then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Jesus appears to Joshua as the commander of the army of the Lord. By his appearing, God is letting Joshua know that he's in charge. It is Joshua's responsibility, as it is ours today, not so much to follow the commander's plans, but to know the commander. You get to know him, you'll follow him. Amen? That's a given. We need to be on his side, not have him on ours. Now we made a statement. We said, unless Jesus Christ is truly Lord of your life, he's not your commander. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? If he's not your Lord, you'll never listen. You'll never obey. Amen? You ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Many people, he's the Savior. He's not Lord. Sure quiet in this. Last week it was Presbyterian Church. So, sure quiet in this Methodist Church today. Jesus said in John 4, verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. What proves Jesus' lordship in your life? Submission of heart, respect, Honor, humility, and obedience. Just what Joshua did. He took those shoes off, did he not? Amen. Amen. Now, last week we said, and I, I, I read from Mike Keyes' book on military mentality, and uh, basically I read to you uh, what he talked about if I can find How has Jesus been portrayed to you? This is many people's Jesus. This isn't my Jesus. This is religion's Jesus. Remember, religion isn't going to accomplish anything. There's a lot of these hung up all over. God is quiet. You're going to find in the days ahead, I'm going to be attacking religious demons, and they don't like it. And if you've got any, if you're going to stay here, they're going to be gone. This is not our Jesus. I showed you, I don't have, you don't have to put it up there. Oh, thank you. God bless you. My daughter-in-law, she's doing a fine job. That's my Jesus. You know how, how his painting came to be. You can get online and study that. A young uh, gal in Europe somewhere, she's a prolific artist, got this. But look at that. There's a little difference, isn't it? I said, my Jesus is kind of like a Mel Gibson. No, no bad language. But the spirit and the attitude. He could be a warrior, at the same time he could be moved with compassion and heal the sick. That's my Jesus. Thank you. You can take it down. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. My Jesus. Verse 11, Now I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Say war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. 
And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? That's my Jesus. Jesus is known by titles of war, and one of them is Lord of hosts. This is a translation of the Hebrew phrase Jehovah of armies. Jesus is the leader of the armies of angels in heaven and hasn't lost a battle yet. Now, the next one, for the sake of time, we're gonna, I want to get through this and, and go to the, the, the last one. But Israel was commanded to fight. I want you to look in, in Deuteronomy 7. This is Old Testament. This is the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 7, and look at uh, verse 1. Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations, a lot of ites, seven nations greater and mighty than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly, what? Destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. Okay? Does that kind of, is that pretty explicit? Is the Father being pretty direct with His people? He sure is. And see, that's why the nation's in the shape that it is today, because the church hasn't done its job. It hasn't taken care of the ites. But that's changing. See, I'm an optimist. I believe God's moving. I believe His Spirit is moving again. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and Lord of lords. And I'm part of His body and I have a job to do and so do you. I believe that. Look at uh, Joshua 4. Joshua chapter 4. We're establishing the fact that we need to have a military mindset today. They did back then. Our God has one. Israel has one. And we need to have one. Look at uh, Joshua 4, verse 12. The anointing's strong today. And when the anointing's strong, sometimes I go fast and sometimes I have trouble getting my words out. Although my kids would say I have that trouble at home. Anyway. So listen carefully. Joshua chapter 4. Look at verse 12. Now, to set this up, there were a few tribes that didn't want to cross the Jordan, you remember? <laughs> well, they got called on the carpet. Did they cross and fight for their brethren? Yes, they did. But here it says, And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them, about 40,000 prepared for war. Say, prepared for war. Or equipped for war. Crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. So, do you see they were prepared for war? We need to be prepared for war. Amen? Now, look at Psalm 110. I'm going through just trying to establish them. Lay some groundwork. Psalm 110. Look at verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your, your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Look at this. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Say that. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Rule means to scoop out, to scrape out in the Hebrew, to dominate, to prevail, and to reign. Are you getting the picture? Now, look at Numbers 32. I'd never seen this before till the other day. Numbers 32. 
And this is in reference to those tribes that I said were a little skittish about crossing the Jordan to help their brethren take and possess the land. But they ended up and they did it. They were smart. And this is the account here, Numbers 32 and verse 20. Numbers 32 and verse 20. I want you to see something. Then Moses said to them, if you do this thing... He's speaking to these tribes. If you arm yourself before the Lord for the war and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he's driven out his enemies from before him and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return basically to the other side of the Jordan and be blameless before the Lord, before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. Now listen, this is the but side. Verse 23, if they don't do this. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Now listen, I'm going to say something. It's a sin not to fight. It's a sin not to fight. Say it with me. It's a sin not to fight. Now, I'm not talking about getting your arsenal out. Right? You know, that's not what I'm talking Don't leave here thinking, that preacher harvests church. He's raising up an army, a militant army. They've got guns. And before long, we'll be out of business. That's what I'm, not what I'm saying. I want you to develop a military mindset not with natural weapons, but with spiritual weapons. Amen? So you need to understand that. But if you're not willing to fight, you're in sin. And there are a lot of Christians out there right now in sin because they're not fighting. They're not fighting. They're just accepting Whatever the government tells you to do, wear the mask, take the jab. That's sin. All disobedience is sin. See, it's pretty strong. Truth is strong. And I'm giving you the truth today. a sin not to fight. Now, let's talk about you and I. Let's kick over some sacred cows. We had a minister years ago, Charles Capsey, did a book on kicking over sacred cows, and it was about religious people and their ideas about the Bible. And they are wacky doodle. Went to town. Back in, this is after 9-11, fine, fine teacher from Tulsa. In fact, we went to church there when we went to Bible school. His name's Bob Yandin. Wonderful teacher. Wrote this because after 9-11, everybody was going to join and fight. Remember? And some people had an issue with killing. I'm going to settle that today. Thou shalt not kill. The Sixth Commandment seems to be very clear. Thou shalt not kill, Exodus 10, verse 13. But it becomes unclear when the Bible also tells us there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Ecclesiastes 3.3. And a time of war and a time of peace, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 8. When God was so specific to tell the children of Israel how to fight, how to kill, and how to win wars, how could He also tell us not to kill? The Hebrew word for kill found in this commandment refers to murder, not killing in general. It is is a prohibition of homicide and not the prohibition of justified killing. This verse could be better translated, thou shall not commit murder. Are you getting it? There's a time to kill, but never a time to commit murder. In our King James Version, the prohibition... Of murder is correctly translated in Matthew 19:18 when Jesus told the rich young ruler, "Thou shalt not do no murder." This teaching becomes even clearer in Proverbs 6 when God describes for us the seven sins He hates. One of the sins He hates is hands that shed innocent blood. 
If God does not want us to shed innocent blood, it must be acceptable to shed guilty blood. Guilty blood is described in three ways in the Bible, capital punishment, self-defense, and national defense. In all three cases, God clearly condones the killing of others. So if you're going into, into one of the branches of the service and you don't have this, you grew up in a Christian household, you're going to struggle. Are you listening to me? Here's another sacred cow. When should we turn the other cheek? Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, Whosoever shall smite you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. Religious folks love to quote this. The answer to this verse lies in its context. Jesus was telling his disciples how to handle their testimony before the world. He was explaining to them their actions spoke as loudly as their words when witnessing for the Lord Jesus. If they were struck for being a believer in the Lord and attacked for their testimony for him, they were not to retaliate. God would defend them. For the sake of the gospel, vengeance belongs to the Lord, not to us. Jesus was not speaking of self-defense. Now listen, from criminals are defending the nation from evil enemies. Now I shouldn't have to say a whole lot to this body about this in Nebraska. But there's religious folk out there, they don't have a clue. Jesus was not speaking of self-defense from criminals or defending the nation from evil enemies. Quite the contrary. Jesus told his disciples to take a sword for defense in their travels. Luke 22:36 to have weapons in their home to defend against thieves Luke 11 verse 21 it is quite acceptable to God and legal today to have weapons in the home thank you Micah for that one amen and that's right and the rest of you are confused you shouldn't be our American Constitution gives us the right. Teaching our children to defend themselves against bullies is acceptable, acceptable to the Lord. But when we're attacked for our stand for Jesus Christ, we should make no retaliation. Jesus did not take up arms against his own crucifixion. He could have called legions of angels to his defense. Paul was persecuted for the gospel as well as Stephen, Peter, John, and others. They left their defense in the hands of God as we should. So let that be, clear that up. Because if you're cloudy about that, you're going to struggle in your Christian walk. I'm telling you, folks, times have changed. They're not going to change. They've already changed. There are a number of scriptural admonitions on fighting a spiritual battle. Look at Matthew 11. I'm going to go through here quickly. and I'm almost done. One of the greatest compliments you could give me as a pastor is that this church has an attitude and a military mindset. Amen. Because religion is not going to save this nation. Quoting the Lord's Prayer every Sunday is not going to save this nation. Social clubs, they're not going to save this nation. Receiving communion every week because that's the way it should be done is not going to save the nation. It's religion. I'm not against communion. But I want you to catch on, folks. We're living in serious times. So believers better get serious. Matthew 11, you know the Scripture in verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, let me quote out of my Bible commentary. He says, Jesus defines the violence of His kingdom's expansion by defining the sword and fire. He is brought as different, now listen, as different from the battle techniques of political or military warfare. The upheaval caused by the kingdom of God is not caused by political provocation or armed advance. It is the result, now listen, it is the result of God's order 
shaking relationships, households, cities, and nations by the entry of the Holy Spirit's power working in people. See, this church believes in the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This church, and I'm not ashamed, we speak in tongues. Oh, that's of the devil. Listen, then Paul was a demon. He was a devil. We're not going to accomplish anything as a remnant army if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. Now, you don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. You're born of His Spirit. You're going to go to heaven. But as far as I'm concerned, you didn't take the next step to become more of a militant warrior. Because the Holy Ghost will teach you how to fight spiritual battles when you're on your knees. Do you know how many battles I've had to fight on my knees, praying and groaning and crying and weeping and speaking in tongues on my knees? Because I didn't know how to pray as I should. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for me and through me. You need to understand your spiritual weaponry. The name of Jesus. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Prayer. Look over at Luke 16, 16. Another scripture. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone, say everyone, is pressing into it. Pressing into it. Say, pressing into it. He says, uh, pressing is... Well, let me start at the beginning. He says, Jesus declares the advance of the kingdom of God is a result of two things, preaching and pressing in. Say, preaching and pressing in. Pressing in is accomplished first in prayer warfare, coupled with a will. Now listen. Coupled with a will to surrender one's life and self-interest in order to gain kingdom goals. Do you know why the church is struggling? Because it's not willing to surrender its life and its own self-interest. Bottom line. I'm preaching pretty good today, but you're not doing much amen. So I miss Bobby. He said, she said he went when he went down and. Uh, down the prison in Lincoln. On his cell was a picture of Jesus somebody had drawn. Uh, that's a good cell to be in. Amen. Yeah. And Madison County needs a new new chef. Um, in Luke 18.1, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not turn coward, lose heart, and give up. Hebrews 10.38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back my soul, God has no pleasure in that individual. Message Bible says, If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh no, we'll stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. 1 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of faith. 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul said, I've fought the good fight. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Well, those of you that are visiting today when I shut the Bible, in my notes, that means we're, we're almost done. I grew up, I'm trying to say the right words about myself. I grew up totally different than her. I was a fat little pimply boy that played trumpet. Sang in chorus and swing choir and we swung. 
she grew up, her dad ran the powerhouse at Monroe and grew up big family, boys, rough, gruff. Her dad ran the powerhouse. This is my favorite story. And he had to take care of the grounds around the powerhouse. And people would come up and camp. And one day their guy came with his family and, and his dog. And the dog was getting into her dad's chickens. And he warned him. And he said, you better tie that dog up. Well, he didn't. And he got the chickens. And so Ralph just went up to him and popped him in the chin, knocked him on the ground. That was her dad. He says, they negotiate better looking up. That's how she grew up. Grew up in Monroe, Nebraska, in the bar. Everything centered around the bar. We still go down there to eat. She grew up learning how to fight. She was a, a collegiate volleyball player for Oral Roberts University. Shouldn't have been. Today, you probably wouldn't have made it. You were a borrow. And she was scrappy and she was tough. I didn't grow up that way. I wasn't an athlete. And so I didn't have that fight in me. Well, I married her and it got on me. Besides the Lord Jesus Christ. I was a repressed. My mother was a type A. I said I always made my mother pull that cigarette drawer open as I got into high school because I caused her some gray hairs. She had white hair, yeah. But I didn't learn later on in life on how to fight. Now, we fight. She's, I fear God in her. If we got in a literal knockdown drag out, she'd whoop my butt. way it is we still argue we still fuss we still fight we love each other we respect each other I, I would say we're probably not most like pastors that you would know but I, I'm saying all this folks if you don't train your kids how to fight a spiritual battle you, you're, you're really doing them a disservice if you think religion's going to save them in these days forget it Now, I'll end with this because this is the good. Let's end with something positive. In Mike, he's his apostle Mike. This is our missionary. He's, he'll be here in July. Great man of God. Went to the Philippines with $100 in his pocket, and that was it. Look where he's at today. He says, and he quotes Joshua 17.1. I want to give you a positive thing because this is how we'll end today. There are rewards for those who will fight. Say that with me. There are rewards who fight. He quotes Joshua 17.1. He says, there was also a, tribe for the, a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph, namely for Maker, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, because he was, now listen, he was a man of war. Therefore, he was given Gilead and Bashan. If you've read the book of Joshua, then you know how easy it is to read up right over these verses. And he said he, it was, he found it boring till he found this verse. He says, the Bible specifically says he was given two prime pieces of real estate for one reason, because he was a man of war. He was a man of war. Think about it, because he was a man of war, therefore, in other words, this man got these two cities as an inheritance, Gilead, Gilead and Bashan, for no other reason, because he was a man of war. That's it, period. It's simple cause and effect. Because this guy was, named, was a man of war, then he was given something special. What was he given? Gilead and Bashan. He says, do you qualify today? This is exciting because it shows us that God is ready, willing, and able to abundantly bless those who have and protect a military mentality. We got one off the school board, resigned. Now a principal. Those are rewards, folks. 
But it's not going to happen unless we continue to pray and press in and don't back down. If he blessed Maker with two prime pieces of real estate centuries ago, simply because he was a man of war, then he'll do the very same same thing for anyone today who fits the same description. Why? Because he's no respecter of persons. That means that anyone who develops and protects a military mindset concerning God's kingdom is in possession for God's abundant blessings. That includes you. Let's stand up today. I appreciate it, and I, I'm, I really am proud of all you that go down to the Capitol and darken those senators' doors and speak up when you need to speak up. We're not done cleaning house in this city. We've only just begun. The state, for that matter, how about the nation? Folks, we got battles ahead, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Father, today I pray for everyone here today that has heard not my word, but your word. I thank you, Lord, it will not return void or empty, but will accomplish what you sent it to do, what pleases you, Father. It will prosper in the thing that it was sent to in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, today I Pray that this message stirs the hearts of your people. Not sit back, but go on the attack. Not sit down and look around. But stand up and take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and begin to declare and decree a thing. So it shall be established for you, and light will shine upon your pathway. I say the people of Harvest Church are not hearers only, but they're doers of your word. They're not afraid. They're not full of fear because you've not given them a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound, disciplined mind. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, in the days ahead, they'll exercise courage and boldness tempered with godly wisdom. When they open their mouth, words will be given to them, and they'll fearlessly and boldly make known the mystery of the gospel as they should. For, your Lord, your divine favor surrounds them as with a shield. So, Lord, we've only begun, and we're going to continue to fight the good fight of faith in the days ahead and take back what is ours, possessors of all our inheritance in the name of Jesus. We're not going to inhabit the land. We're going to possess it in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, I'm a possessor. Amen, amen, amen. Does everyone here today know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Let me see your hands. If Jesus is your Lord, keep him up. Is he your commander? Well, if you're not doing what he told you to do, he's not. So you need to ask yourself, what areas in my life am I not doing what he called me to do? God bless you.